0: Well, it's great to see you guys this morning. Our uh, servers are going to collect our offering. We appreciate all your generosity in that and I just feel like I'm supposed to insert like a, you know, obligatory, I haven't seen you since last year, joke or something like that. So, happy new year. We're glad that you're you're here today and how have y'all been enjoying that cough that's been going around? And anybody had any of that stuff? Man, Christmas morning, I woke up with it. It was awesome. But anyway, I know a lot of our folks can't be here today at home, and that's tis the season for all that stuff. But uh, just glad that you guys could be here and make it. And welcome to those of you that are watching online as well. We're glad you could be joining us that way, uh, man. It's a, today is a, kind of a special day that we set aside every year. We look at the first Sunday of the year and say, you know, what has God done uh, among us? What and what is God kind of leading us to in our lives and as a church and And one thing I just wanted to kind of celebrate before we we get in, last week, uh, there was a group of people that said, you know, we want to start the new year with the new life in Christ. And uh, man, I, I I just want to take a minute to just recognize 10 really special people, Starla Shields, Angela Mattingly, Susan George, Shanae Perry. Tammy Smith, Christopher Miles, Michael Schwitz, Jesse Brown, Caleb Barnes, and James Barlow, who all gave their life to Christ last week. It's just uh, just amazing to see God you know, working in people's lives, working in our church. And, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about a little bit today as we look at ourselves and also as we look at, okay, what, what is God doing among us and what does he want to do? And one thing, just so you are aware of this, if you are new to us and we just haven't had the maybe you like, I want to get connected or I want to meet some people or I'd like to know a little bit more. We've got a special uh, opportunity coming up on January the 28th, last Sunday of this month called Starting Point. And if you, you maybe you've heard us talk about that before, but it's kind of like our membership class if you want to call it that but maybe it's not just that for some people it's just I I want to learn how to serve or I need to take a step I need to to accept Christ or whatever uh there's just a lot of we hit a lot of topics that evening we'll have a great meal that we're having planned we're going to have a a catered meal that night uh January 28th at five o'clock you can sign up online or let one of our volunteers know out in the lobby as you leave in the next steps but we'd love to see you there. Uh, but if you know somebody, maybe some of you know someone who's new as a friend of yours. We'd love for you to come out with them. You know that's kind of an intimidating thing. So if you've got somebody that you've been bringing and they're interested, just come, come on, along with them. We'd love to have you. But uh, today, as I mentioned, it's going to be a little bit of a different message because and, and we do this on purpose as we're anticipating what God is going to do. I hope that you got one of these papers as you came in. This morning, if you didn't get one of these, be sure to grab one when you leave, but just kind of some highlights, some things that, you know, as we look back over the last 12 months, what have we seen God do? And I think this is one of the things that we, we, uh, we just don't give ourselves enough time to sit down and just reflect a little bit. And in throughout scripture, whenever God would move among people, they would do something like, uh, you know, they would make an altar. They'd stack big stones on top of each other to, to, to create something that would help them remember that every time they passed by that place, they would remember the thing that God had done there among them. And they, they knew that we have to be continually reminded, otherwise we just, we forget and life comes at us and we just sort of feel like maybe God isn't moving. It's amazing. I always say that, you know, the Bible tells us we should be filled with the Holy Spirit But the problem with that is that in in us, the Holy Spirit leaks. And so we need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be constantly asking God to remind us of where we've been and and what he's doing and where he's taking us next. There are seasons in life, and I'm convinced that there are seasons that God has us go through because he's... uh, He's taking us to new places. You see this again in Scripture, that God would take his people through these seasons. matter of fact, when he spoke to the prophet Isaiah and was telling them that things were getting ready to change, because there's a Messiah on the way, and Jesus, he's going to come. Isaiah 43, God says, forget all the things that you knew in the past. Forget about the former things. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. What was God saying to them? He was telling his people, the past is in the past. Don't, don't forget it completely, but don't fixate on it. Focus on what I'm doing next. We are about to enter a new season, so don't miss this. Now, for us as a church, some of you may not know this, uh, but we're gonna, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a ride here. Not too much because we uh, we're going to look at a lot of scripture. We're actually going to look at the story, uh, some of the story of Abraham in the Old Testament and kind of see how this, this calling that God placed on his life, it's a risky thing, but that's what he calls us to as well. But For us as a church, uh, this Easter Sunday, we will celebrate 59 years that we've been a church. 59 years ago, I think it's kind of cool, and, and, and it, is, it is cool, God's done a lot, and when you think about like seasons that you go through, honestly, in 59 years, there's probably been 59 seasons, and we're not going to hit 59 seasons today, I've narrowed it down to four that I'm going to kind of focus on today, but I think of all the people who have been involved, who've come in and gone out, and those that were raised in this church, those who came here, you know, found us somehow, some way. I think there's only one person who has been here the whole 59 years, since day one. I believe there's only one person that's still here, and that is Rodney James, who's back in the sound booth. A lot of you guys know Rodney, and, and, I, and you know, I, I'm going to embarrass him. I didn't ask permission to, to tell all this, but, uh, but, but Rodney is, is one of these guys He has served in just about every capacity, I think, around here. He's been a Sunday school teacher. I mean, he has served in in a lot of of roles. And and you would think after 59, which I can't believe that, Rodney, that you've been here 59, because he doesn't look a day over 35, so I don't know how that's possible. But, you know, he, he serves so selflessly every single week in one of the roles that, honestly, if he's doing a great job, you guys don't even know he's there because he's running... Are sound. So as long as everything's going great, you don't even know that Rodney's there. And, and I, I see a lot of Jesus in that, you know, just kind of that don't look at me, look at, look at Christ. And as I think about the journey that God has had us on as a church, again, I, I can't help but draw these comparisons to the story of Abraham in the Old Testament. And if you're familiar with it, we could, we could spend a lot of time. It's a, it's a pretty long uh, story. We could spend months. But for us today, I'm going to look at a few passages. We can hopefully be reminded of how God moves in our lives. And we can be encouraged, too, I think, that in the middle of when, you know that, that feeling when it just feels like your life has been thrown up in the air, like you just kind of feel like you're being sifted, and it's, it's mixed up, and, and what are we doing? What, 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 could, what could God possibly be doing in the middle of this? We're going to see from the story of Abraham that even in those, even in those terrifying moments, God is very much with us and present, and he has a plan to take us somewhere good. Look at Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. It says that the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, let me just pause there for a second. We can't, we can't overestimate the gravity of of that one verse, what God has just asked this man to do. I want you to leave everything you've ever known, including your family. There's very few of us that have ever been in that position, that we, we have felt the call of God on our life to say, man, I have to leave everything, including my native country. I think about some of my friends that serve overseas as missionaries. They've done that, where they've been willing to leave their Everything they've known, the security of, you know, being, uh, you know, living in, in the most wealthy nation in the w- entire world and, and, and having the security of their family around them and their friends to go to a place that just, you know, I mean, there's very few of us that have, have done this. And yet, this was the call of, of God on Abraham's life. I want you to leave everything behind because I'm going to take you somewhere new. In verse 2, he, says, he makes him a promise. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. As you notice, it's not just about him. This is about many others. He says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth. Listen to that. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And what we can't miss in the story of Abraham is this first season that that what happens to him is God is making him aware. There is a season of awareness. And this happens in our lives where God has kind of prompted us that something is about to happen. I'm calling you to something new. Over 60 years ago, there was a group of people in this end of town who felt a sense of awareness, and if you've, ever, if you've ever felt that, if you've ever felt God just prompting you, you know you, you can't always explain that. And it doesn't necessarily make sense on paper. But you just feel this restlessness inside that, man, I just believe God wants to do something. And there were people over 60 years ago that said, we need, we need a church here. And after a lot of prayer and sacrifice and faith, this, this church was started. Here's a group of some of those folks. Uh, now, I want you to remember... There's some good-looking people there. Why don't we dress like that today? Wouldn't that be great if we all looked like, man, especially that, that guy front center with the, anyway. But the guy all the way to the right there, his name is Wendell Cox. He was the first pastor of this church that started it. And uh, I'll talk about him just, to, just in a few moments because it's kind of an interesting little little story. But uh, I got some other, a couple other pictures there. Now, Rodney James is in, if, I don't know if you can see, right in the middle of the picture, front row, there's a boy standing there with striped pants. It may be hard to see. That's Rodney right there, front and center. Right, Rodney? You still have those pants? <laughs> I, got, I got one more. Uh, this is Now, this is the... Uh, original sanctuary, which is now our warehouse where our, our elementary school kids meet. But this is where they packed them in there. If you look there in the back left, standing up, uh, who we got standing there? That's Mr. Phil Miller standing up there right in the back. Right, Phil? That's you, isn't it? It is, right in the back left. Uh, but uh, just a good-looking bunch of folks there that they had a vision for what God could do here in the south end Of Louisville, and they chased it, and they continued to be faithful, and God blessed them. Now, my my question for you today, to bring this back to you personally, is what is it that God is making you aware of today? If you're going into that season where that season of prompting, where, where He may say to you, Hey, forget the former things, forget what we have done. Now I'm getting ready to do something new in your life. What is that? For some people, it might just be that first step. I mean, we celebrated 10 people last week who said, I'm ready to take a first step. We're going to celebrate another young man in the second service that's going to take that step, the first of the, of the year, 2024. But what is it in, in your life? Maybe it is, maybe God is calling you to say, you know what, I, I want you to take a risk. I want you to step out in faith and trust me. You have a restlessness in your spirit where you just sense that God is up to something and maybe you're not sure what it is but you you know that you know that you know when we have those moments we have two choices you can either ignore it you continue down the road that you're on and say well i'm not i'm not really a risk-taking kind of person i'm not really uh you know good outside of the norm kind of person You, you can do that or you can you can say, you know what, Lord, if this is where you're calling me, I, I'm, I'm going to go. Whatever you call me to do, I, I want to be faithful. There's always going to be a list of excuses. There always be reasons why, when, when God's prompting you. that well, I don't think that was, that, that will work. For, for Megan and I, it was, uh, it was 10 years ago, uh, just about this time of the year, 10 years ago, when I had begun to feel a little bit of restlessness in my heart, and uh, found out about Fairdale Christian Church. And, uh, and so, the, the funny thing is that picture I showed you with uh, the guy all the way to the, Wendell Cox, who was the first pastor. I've known Wendell Cox my entire life. Uh, he, I'm actually related to him. His wife, Helen, and my grandmother were cousins. And uh, Wendell was my first preacher after he left here at Fairdale Christian. He went up to a church in northern Kentucky called Plum Creek Christian Church. That's the church I was raised in from the time I was born. And Wendell was my first preacher. And uh, so anyway, I've, and actually my very first mission trip, I went to, on a mission trip to uh, San Pedro Hondura, San Pedro Sula, Honduras. I was 13 years old when I went. And uh, our church went with this other church. And I never heard of them, didn't know anything about it. But I've got a picture somewhere. I wish I could have found it. I would have loved to have put it on the screen I couldn't find it. Uh, when my church in Northern Kentucky partnered with you guys back in 1997, we went to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. I got a picture of me at 13 years old standing there with Al Smith, who was there on the trip. And uh, just it's just funny how small the world can be with things like that. But but about 10 years ago, I just felt that kind of that restlessness. We were uh, we were serving a church in Illinois at the time. a great It's a great church. Still is a great church. Multi-site. I was a campus pastor there, and and the elders of there had, had asked me to become the lead pastor to oversee the whole the whole shebang, and uh, which is a great opportunity. But it just I just couldn't define it. It just felt something something's off. It it felt to me as if God was saying, "I want to do something new, Brandon. I, I want something new for you." and and uh, it just so happened, we, we, we found out about this place, and I didn't know about that, because at the time, I was thinking, Louisville, I didn't even really, you know, I'm from northern Kentucky, so we would go to Lexington sometimes if we wanted to get, you know, into a big city, but we were UK fans, I felt like I was in enemy territory, number one, I wasn't sure about that, and then the other thing was, I, I grew up in the country, I mean, I'm a farm boy, and so the thought of, the difference between, you know, preaching at a country church, and preaching at a, a church that's, you know, on the edge of a large city, the, the issues are totally different. I, I, uh, I thought, I don't, I don't know if this is, God, have I heard you right? Is this really what you want for me? And this is a lesson that I've learned, and I just want you to just to sit in this for a minute. This is something that God has taught me, is that you won't experience God in your comfort zone. You, you really, I think all of us, we're here on a Sunday morning. You know, it's, it's flu season. The weather's kind of gross. There's 101 reasons why we could have stayed home and stayed in our beds or whatever. Why did we come here? I, I think it's because we want more of God in our life. You cannot experience more of God in your life if you're trying to seek comfort over everything else. If you just want to be comfortable and safe, you're always going to be on the edge looking in. You would think that when God calls you to something, you would think that whenever he's, he's placed a calling on your life, that it would be relatively easy, that he would kind of smooth the road ahead of you and, and just make everything work out. But that is rarely the case. I'm convinced that God wants us to develop grit and determination. I just really believe that he is way more interested in who He is, what he is developing in you and me. That he's making us people of boldness and courage. That we're willing to stare down at, at, at situations that seem impossible. And we're, we have high trust and high faith that we have a God who, who can do all things. And, and I've heard people say, and you've heard people say this too. Well, well this must not be God's will because it's too hard. Whenever we bump up against problems, if we feel the prompting, you know, we feel this season of awareness, and then immediately we run into issues. Well, we we back away quickly and we give up and we say, "Well, that must not been that must not have been what God wanted because it's not working out the way it's supposed to." And I would push back on that and say that, uh, and this is another lesson that I've learned: that when the way is difficult, you're exactly where God wants you to be. Because it's in those moments where God is most glorified. When he uses the small things of the world, people, you know, he uses people that everybody else overlooks. He uses you know, the small to confound the, the, the wise. And you want to talk about difficulty. You look at Abraham. When God called him to leave everything he had ever known behind, what did he do? Verse 4 it says, that, So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left. Can you imagine that? 10 years past what we would call retirement age. In the golden years, right? Everything's supposed to be smooth and easy. 75 years old, and God says, I want you to forget about everything. I want to do something new with you. And I want you to leave behind everything that's been comfortable and everything that's been safe. And everything that you've been able to depend on, I want you to leave it. And I know this is weird, but I'm going to do a new thing in your life, and, and I'm going to bless you. Talk about a big faith step. He already had a built-in excuse. I'm 75 years old. You're looking for the younger guy. You're, you're looking for the guy that's you know got, got you know stars in his eyes, and he's ready to go chase whatever. You, you surely can't be talking about me, God. And maybe maybe some of you in this room, you might feel a little bit of that. You may say, you know... I've been around the block a time or two, and I feel like I'm kind of at an age where, you know, God's kind of done doing, if he were going to do anything real super big, maybe that would have already happened. I would just encourage you with this story of Abraham. Uh, God, God promised to use him right where he was. He was 75 years old. Moses was 80, and Aaron was 83 when they went to Pharaoh and said, I want you to... God says, I want you to let my people go free. Uh, Anna was 84 when she finally saw Jesus in the temple after she'd been waiting and praying for decades. And maybe age isn't your excuse. Maybe that's, maybe that's not the issue. Maybe it's time. You feel like you're too busy. Um, you know, we've got a lot going on in our life, or, or maybe it's what you lack. You, you think that, uh, you know, I don't have the, the talent. I don't have abilities like other people have. I would just challenge you to go back and read god's word and and really just spend time soaking in the these accounts these records of what god did in people's lives how he used the most unlikely people to do great and extraordinary things people that they didn't believe they had it in them to do what god called them to do and the truth is they didn't but it was about god's presence it was about his strength and there's another there's another season that we see with Abraham and we see it in our lives and we've certainly seen it in this church, and I just call it a season of perseverance. And uh, this one, this season, is not fun. Uh, you take a look at Abraham's story. God calls him. He says, "I want you to leave everything behind. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But uh, I- I'm making you a great promise. I'm going to make a great nation out of you." So Abram he hits the road, and then what happens? He, he leaves, he goes, he, he's faithful to what God asked him to do. And verse 10 says that at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. So he's sending him to Canaan and then he had to reverse course because there's no food, there's no nothing. Everybody's Everybody's hungry, and he goes down to Egypt where now nobody accepts him. And if you read the story, there's a whole lot of wild things that happen. Abraham is worried because his wife is beautiful, and he's worried that the men are going to try to take her away from him. I mean, he's just scared for his life. There's all these wild things that happen. But you talk about discouragement. I thought, I thought this is what you wanted me to do, God, and, and now it's nothing but trouble. It's nothing but hardship. I read that, and I'm, I'm just reminded how often that that's the way it goes. Well, God will call us to something, and immediately there's problems, and it just it makes you doubt in a way. I think those are the those are the moments where I think we we hesitate uh, because it, it just feels so it just feels so wrong. You know, it, I felt so passionate about this, and I started to be to follow faithfully, and then. There are were, there were problems, and I'm discouraged, and I feel frustrated. It's hard to keep moving forward when you, you feel like you're just stuck. For us as a church, there have been, been several different seasons of perseverance over the last 59 years. Uh, a lot of moments of challenges, but the one that immediately comes to my mind, of course, is uh, about three years ago now, which was uh, the pandemic. And a lot of you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, but I thought I was going to lose the last part of my mind during that whole season. I, I was uh, scared to death. People had to keep kind of talking me off the ledge because I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We lost, at the, at the time, uh, as a church, we've been growing. Very rapidly, we had a lot of new believers, a lot of people that were coming to Christ for the very first time, and you know, when, when you're in the, that stage where you just start walking with the Lord, it's kind of fragile, and Satan is, and Satan knows that he's going to attack and and try to drag you away, and so this, this is a really, it's a really. Uh, dangerous time for a lot of new believers and so for us as a church we had a church full of new believers and now we got everything shuts down and we're trying to figure all this out we lost half of our church just like that and and I was scared for our staff I thought oh people are going to lose their jobs I was scared for these new believers I thought what's going to happen to them I I was I I thought for sure that our church was going to was going to die to be honest with you at the time I thought this is going to be it and I'm the one that's going to ride this ship down to the bottom of the ocean. God, you called me here just to watch it sink. What is going on? You know, I, mean, I was so frustrated, and, uh, and, and I, that's what was my prayer. I was so angry. I said, God, I feel like you, you called me to this, and, and, and now it's, it's struggling and dying, and there's not a thing I can do about it. And that was when I was reminded. It was right in that valley, that God is the one who builds the church, it's not men. We have a lot of great history in our church, so we stand on the shoulders of, of people who have come before us. Uh, but it's not the people who grow the church, it's the Lord. Uh, I, I love this uh, quote, it really encouraged me, by a guy named Pastor Kevin DeYoung. He said, if you want your life to count, then give your life to the church. Invest in the church, because it's the only institution that Jesus himself promised he would build. He didn't promise to build anything else. He promised to build the church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And that's been the truth for 2,000 years plus. I mean, it, he just continues to build his church his people. I've seen that play out right in my eyes. Even with all of my concerns and my shortcomings, God has been so faithful. We've seen more growth in the last couple of years than we had previously. In fact, 2023, we saw more people accept Jesus Christ who were baptized than ever in a single year in the history of this church. That's unbelievable. 71 people in 2023. And, and, so, and so now... We, we come to, a, to a, a new place, a new season of perseverance, which is what now? What do we, what do, we do next? Uh, we're going to have to persevere a little bit more. One thing that I feel a real sense of awareness about, and again, you know, it's difficult this time of the year when people are sick and a lot of people are gone and all that, but uh, here in just a few weeks, we're going to have Super Bowl Sunday, which for us historically the last few years has been the biggest Sunday of the year. I think last year we had about 875 people that showed up on Sunday morning alone. It was just unbelievable. And, uh, and those people that we're reaching as we, as we head into spring, we know people become more regular. And in this service, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it feels okay. But our second service, if you've ever been a part of that, you'd be hard-pressed to find a seat most Sundays. Uh, and so it has really become apparent to me that we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to do something with that second service. And I think the only option that we have is to go to a third service, to be able to provide more seating, more opportunity for people who want to come worship. We are beginning to see people come here on Sunday morning, look in, and then turn around and leave. Now beyond that, I've got a, we, we have our friends that we, we love and partner with. Uh, we've been really involved with our addiction and recovery community, and, and that's been a wonderful blessing to see how God's changing people's lives and how he's using our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, but he's also using the, the church, the relationships that are forged here to change people's lives and to pull them out of addiction. And, uh, and we have a, there's a, Every Sunday morning, there's a waiting list of people that want to come here, and they just don't have a ride. We have about six or seven people that go out on Sunday mornings and, and pick people up in their own personal vehicles. Plus, we have a church van that we send out to pick people up, and it's not enough. And I think about it, there's a parable that Jesus told one time where he says there was a master that was throwing a big banquet, and he said, you know, I, I want everybody to come to my, and the, the master's house is representing God. He said, I want everybody to come, I want all my house to be full, and it says that, that people started making excuses, that they weren't showing up. Oh, I'm too busy, I'm sorry, oh, I've got to do this, oh, I've got to do that, I can't be there. And the master is just, is just beside himself upset about this, and he says, well, that's fine. If they want to make excuses, then they're going to miss out. He says, I want you to go out into the wilderness. Go out and find people and bring them in because I want my house to be full. And I just can't help but make that connection with us. Here we've got groups of people, dozens and dozens of people who want to be here, but they don't have a way to get here. We've got to figure that one out. So I believe that that's coming over the next next few years is finding a way. How can we make room for more and accommodate that, but I don't feel that that's something that we really want to do long term. Uh, we have wonderful. We, one thing I want to say. You you may not see this very often. Sometimes you, you get a little glimpse, but we have a wonderful staff here. I had a church coach who recently did a survey with each one of our staff members, and it was I was not part of that. They they were asking some real serious questions about. The culture here and what does the staff environment feel like? What does the, the church family environment feel like? How do you, you know, when you, when you think about what you do and, and, and this guy came back to me, he says, I have never interviewed a staff of a church that has been just as excited and as passionate and as loyal as the staff is here. He said, that's really, really unusual. You know, most people, when you think about church staff, there's a high rate of turnover. People usually don't stay very long. Um, I, I have a group of pastors that I meet with every month, and recently, most recently, they were, you know, one guy's looking for a worship minister, another guy's looking for a youth minister, another guy's looking for a children's minister, another guy's looking for this and that, and, and they're all, yeah, how long did your last one last? Well, about 18 months. Well, mine lasts about two and a half years. Well, mine, and they said, Brandon, what about, what about you? And I said, well, I start going through our staff, and I say, well, we've got a lot of longevity, a lot of longevity. It's really unusual, really, really unusual. I feel like God has brought the right people at the right time. Our volunteers here, uh, I was uh, talking to to uh, somebody just just yesterday that was saying that they'd been part of a church at a different different place. They said, yeah, we just could never get volunteers ever, ever. It was always like pulling teeth, and nobody wanted to serve, and it was always a struggle. And he said, here at Fairview, I just don't understand how how you have this, but you just have an abundance of people that are ready and willing and passionate to serve, and, I said, I, and he said, how do you explain that? I said, I, I don't know, other than God is just, he's been faithful and he's moving among his people. I'm just glad that that's, that that's happening. But I don't, I don't feel, again, as moving to a third service, I don't feel like that's something we want to do long term. Uh, I, I know that God wants to continue to bless his church, and I believe that he's called us to be a healthy and strong church in this community, just like the people who 59, 60 years ago, they had a vision for that. Right now, we average between five and 600 on Sunday morning. Um, our, our Friday night service averages somewhere between 150. So our total weekend attendance is between 650 and 750 somewhere. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, but I, I believe that God has called us to reach more than that. I really do. I, I really believe that he's called us. And I think that what we'll see in the next couple of years is that we'll be reaching 1,000 On a a given weekend, I really believe that's going to be happening. And that would be fantastic. But I just know that we need to be prepared. Where is God calling us to go? There's going to be challenges there. There will be challenges because the Lord promised to build his church. This is the one and only institution on the face of the planet that Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell won't overcome it. That's what we want to be about I love in 1 Corinthians 15, this is just a, a verse that I just claim the truth of this in my life. I just want to speak the truth of it over us. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, that it says, My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's hard to, to have big faith. And I think one of the reasons why is because the line between a wise decision and, is this a wise decision and or is this a foolish decision? When you're talking about risk-taking for, for Christ, that line is almost indistinguishable. Is this a good idea or is this like the... You know, green burrito that I had last night for dinner, and I'm just making stuff up as I go here. Right? What, what is this from the Lord or is it not? What what is it? It can be so hard to know, and that is why it's so important that we stay close to Christ. We have to stay faithful and let Him guide us. So, this is a question for you. And you think about your own life. Where in your life is God calling you right now to persevere? What are the hard things that you're walking in? That you 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 would love to find a way to to weasel out to, to find a, a new path, you know, this it's because it's uncomfortable and it's 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 risky and, and you're frustrated and you're discouraged. Maybe it's there's a delay and, and maybe there's people coming against you, whatever it is, what is it right now that God is saying, I want you to stick with this, to trust me, to keep walking, even though the way is difficult and it's you know, when, when, you're in that, when you're in that season, it may seem like it just kind of lingers, but that's the nature of it. I think that's why it's important that we have to look back and remember God's faithfulness. Because when we're in the thick of it, it just feels hard. As you keep moving through, though, it's going to lead you to the next season, which I call walking by faith. You have to do this. We as a church, we, we make decisions based on faith. The, the eldership here in this church, that's, that's the conversation that we have. Whenever we're, we're talking through issues or plans and things like that, we always say, what is, where, where does God want us to trust him more? And the reason that we do that is because we know that faith pleases God. It's the, it's the one thing that he says... If you want to please God, you have to have faith. So that's one reason. But the second reason that we do that is because if you're intentional about growing, whether it's as a church collectively or whether it's you as an individual, if you're intentional about growth, it will constantly call you to take steps of faith where you can't see the next step in front of you. Hebrews 11.6, it just tells us it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's just the the way that it works. If If you want to grow, then you have to take steps of faith. You have to put yourself intentionally in places where you think to yourself, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. This has the potential to blow up in my face. But God, I'm trusting you. And, and you have to do that. You have to. You have to put yourself in places of trust. And you must decide to be a person who makes decisions based on faith if you want to grow in the Lord. For Abraham, God came to him again when he was 99 years old. There's, not, there's, there's very few of us in this room that are going to make it to 99 years old. I'm planning on making it to about 124. But some of us... May not may not make it there. But anyway, he says, But God came to him again. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a solemn promise, and I guarantee that I will bless you and, and make a great nation from you. In Genesis 17, God said, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. And then God said to Abraham, and I think he would say this to us too, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. What is God calling us to? What, what are the steps of faith that he's, he's calling us to right now? I, I think about for myself, uh, when, when we came here in 2014, it was about this time of the year where I started feeling that restlessness. I, uh, I was getting ready. I just turned 30 years old, and now I'm getting ready to turn 40 years old. And that's like, wow, I can't believe that that's gone by that quick, you know? And now the feeling that I have in my heart, where, I, where ten years ago it was this restlessness, it was this, uh, it was this. You know, you have something in front of you, but that that's not that's not what I want you to pursue. I, I have something else that I want you to pursue. And now the thing that I feel that God's putting on my heart now is, what does the next season look like? Because we, we've we've had a lot of have had a lot of fun. We've seen God do a lot of great things, but I, I really feel like God's saying now is the time. That you have to, we, we're gonna we're gonna see him build upon that. I mean, we have some great things to celebrate this year. As you read over this and and uh, this the stories, every one of those seventy one baptisms and thirty eight new members, every one of those those uh, numbers is a story of how God has led them here and how He's worked in their life and how He's helping them to overcome things. What's next? What is next? I hope that you'll be praying about that. Uh, the, the steps of faith that we'll be taking in the next months and years are going to be really big. I just, I feel that. It's going to be very big. It's going to be very uh, scary and may feel a little unsettling. But we want to communicate as clearly as we possibly can that we intend to be a church that is faithful and we intend to be a church that grows so as much as many people as god would have us to reach we intend to continue to reach we're not a social club this isn't like a come here and park and just coast it out we're we're a a place to reach the lost and help real people become rooted in jesus that's who we are and i can't wait to see what god's going to do in the year to come let's pray Father, we thank you for the faithfulness you've had to these people, to this place over the, over the years. We thank you for the vision that you, you gave them and the vision that you continue to give us as we, as we look and we see so many around us who need Jesus. We, we, want to be, we want to be your church and we want to be faithful to see people know you. That's it. That's the only reason that we exist is to help people find you, Lord. So I pray that you would guide us in that. Help us to be a a beacon of hope that exists here, that people know with with everything that is broken around us, that we might be able to find just a a little bit, a little glimpse of what what our life can look like if we are hidden in Christ. I pray that you would give us bigger faith, that you would increase our trust in you and lord help us above all else keep our eyes fixed on jesus that we might be faithful that we in in humility and in love that we might serve you with every breath that we have we ask that in the powerful and mighty name of jesus our savior amen god bless you guys thanks for being here have a great week and can't wait to see you next sunday